Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We have a lot to do on today's show. I do want to begin, though, by taking care of a couple of like housekeeping things, a little bit of like logistical stuff over the course of the next couple of days. Obviously, this is a Wednesday, and, and you, know, you sort of feel the need to tell people that because the week after Christmas, it's confusing, and people are trying to, trying to figure out what day it is and what's going on. So this is a Wednesday. It may not feel like Wednesday to you if you've been off of work, but it is a Wednesday here for the rest of us. And so we're doing Dog Nation Daily here, and when we are done... I am going back downtown, and this afternoon we're going to be live on video reacting to getting a chance to see some of Georgia's football practice here inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So if you're nearby a device or something like that here on this Wednesday afternoon, stay close to it. We'll go live. We'll talk about Georgia practice, and we're going to try to do this. And I say try because you never know how this stuff's going to work, but we're going to try our best to also give you a little bit of a glimpse inside that practice. So if you've always kind of wondered, what does a Georgia practice look like? We're going to try to give you some uh, visual clues about that coming up later on today so stay really close to us some of this is going to be kind of be a little bit raw there's a certain production standard we try to meet around here frankly we don't always succeed but there's a certain production standard we try to meet around here some of this the next couple of days may be a little bit more raw than normal but hopefully it's just going to be fun we're going to try to put ourselves in the mix of it all and that includes some georgia practice today so if you're hearing this kind of you know on Wednesday, a lot of you listen to the podcast like a day later or something like that. But if you're hearing the show on Wednesday, just know this. We're going to be live here reacting to a lot of what we see on the Georgia practice field a little bit later on today. And then here's the important thing. Tomorrow is Thursday. And tomorrow, the normal Dog Nation Daily, we're going to have to, I guess, uh, pause that just for a moment. Because right in the middle middle of what's supposed to be our show broadcast time. We start at 945 for our first and 15, then 10 a.m. for the regular show. Right in the middle of that time window is what's called Georgia Media Day. And it's going to be one of those kind of free-for-all things with the entire team, all the coaching staff. Everybody's going to be in one room together. And so for those of you that like to consume as much Georgia content as you can, dognation.com is going to be really hot the next couple of days with interviews with assistant coaches you haven't heard from very much, players you haven't heard from very much. Really, if you want the best possible kind of narrative established for the Peach Bowl. Hearing from all these additional voices is going to make that so much more fun. So Media Day is going to be a really cool thing for you, even if you're not in the media. And so tomorrow, we're going to try to do our part during our normal show window to be there to kind of show you some of those sights and sounds let you hear from some of those folks in kind of a raw, live, sort of unfettered way. We're going to give this a shot. We're going to see how it goes. And I just think it's going to be fun to try. We'll see how it all plays out. I just think it's going to be fun to try. So I am very hesitant to break our normal routine, but tomorrow seems like a good enough day to try that. And no matter how it goes, one way or another, on Friday, we'll kind of be back in our normal spot again, doing things the way we always have. And it'll be one big final regular show to get you ready for game day coming up on Saturday. Does that all make sense? So to recap, practice stuff here today uh, in the afternoon. Tomorrow, we will not do a normal show. We will be live on video, and uh, we're going to you know, try to give you coverage of, uh, of Media Day. And if all goes well, we're going to try to put that out as a podcast, which is going to be a little bit weird. I'll try to figure that part of it out. So that is the way that things are going to go. We will see how it all plays out. So that is the story on that. Now, let us get into the uh, news of the day. And I'm going to confess something here off the top. 
I'm not really quite so sure that Ohio State players have done anything wrong here. And yet listening to them speak yesterday has got me so fired up for this game. And it's one of those things where I was telling our video audience this a little earlier. And I probably always do this because, listen, we always say this is the daily podcast for George Bulldogs fans. This is not media speaking to media or media speaking down to you. This is sort of a fan conversation. We're kind of all a part of this that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We just like to kind of view college football for what it is, a fun form of entertainment, a great way to spend your time. Um, and we just kind of have to, try to reflect all of that. So as a fan speaking to other fans, I don't mind telling you that my general, I guess, timeline getting ready for a big game is I sort of start off pretty – you know, analytical and maybe I'm sort of thinking about things and from the from the very serious standpoint. But as more and more time passes, as you get closer and closer to the game, my natural tendency as a fan is to get a little bit more emotional about things and more excited. And if I've been pessimistic prior to that, I start to get a little bit more optimistic as the game gets closer. That's just sort of my natural kind of uh, arc as a fan as you get closer and closer to games. And so maybe that's kind of what's going on here because the Ohio State players, uh, guys like C.J. Stroud, uh, Emeka Buka, the uh, terrific wide receiver, you know, they were meeting with the media yesterday, and I'm really not quite so sure they said anything that was all that you know wrong, or it certainly wasn't bulletin board material or anything like that. And yet, I come away <laughs> reminded of the fact that, gosh, for a long time, I just have not liked Ohio State very much. And so, I'm going to play some of this for you, and I'm going to see if you have the same reaction that I do. And as I said before, I honestly don't think the Buckeyes dudes here have done anything wrong. But it does remind me of how nice it would be to beat Ohio State coming up on Saturday for reasons beyond just advancing to play for another national championship. There is something to be said about taking this Buckeye bunch down a peg or two that would be kind of nice. So the subject came up yesterday of Ohio State in the underdog world. They have been about a six and a half point underdog uh, for most of the month. Our friends at my bookie now have it at seven. Georgia, that's uh, a key number, of course. So my bookie has moved it up to seven for Georgia against Ohio State. We're following this closely. There's a big difference between being six and a half, seven, seven and a half. Uh, that's a pretty big statement about either side here, depending on where that number falls. But whichever side of the touchdown number you're on right now, Ohio State finds in the underdog finds itself in the underdog role, a spot it has not frequently been in in recent years. And so some of the Ohio State folks that spoke to the media yesterday were talking about that. Uh, Kevin Wilson's the offensive coordinator. Wilson's soon to be Tulsa's head coach. Uh, but still working for the Buckeyes right now. Uh, of all the the Ohio State figures that spoke yesterday, he may have been the one that was the least interested in this as a uh, narrative. This is what Wilson, the offensive coordinator, said about the idea that Ohio State is an underdog here in this game. Here's Kevin Wilson from yesterday. I don't know if we've talked as much about that. It's just uh, uh, the opportunity in front of us, Dom, and 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 um, you know, responding uh, and practicing and prepping. Uh, we just had a question about Marvin and Mecca and CJ. Those are hands down maybe two of the best practice players on our team. And when guys practice and prep, you know, and so to me, I just I have a lot of respect for you know, it's a prideful, prideful group, a prideful program, no matter what the um, underdog or spreads or all that stuff is, I guess, Dom, but I think we our guys just take a lot of pride in chasing greatness and the way we prepped and, and prepared. And I think our guys are looking forward to the opportunity and challenge that Saturday presents. And I, I just enjoy walking on the field with those guys and the way they go about their business to give ourselves a chance to have success. It's a great group to practice with. So once again, Kevin Wilson pretty clearly does not say anything there. They kind of rise the level of being a statement he should regret or anything like that. But boy, it just stands to remind me of all the stuff that I don't like about Ohio State. And, you know, he used the word prideful there a couple of times. I think most of would say when we look at Ohio State, 
the most generous way to describe the way that Ohio State's handled itself over the course of the years has been prideful. <laughs> you might you might take that word to a ne- at the next level and say, well, actually, they've come across as arrogant more often than not. But but we'll be generous here. and We'll say they've been prideful. And then he talks about the idea that this team is a team that's chasing greatness. Obviously, any team in the college football playoff, that would be true for. There's nothing wrong with saying you're chasing greatness. But you are reminded as a Georgia fan or hopefully as a Georgia coach and a player that to prevent them from getting any taste of greatness would feel really, really good. Because let's face it, right now, Ohio State's reputation is at stake. Uh, they haven't tasted greatness in a, kind of a long time. That the, uh, the, 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 the most recent reminders of their greatness are actually kind of more in the distant past than they might realize. And to, to say that you were the team that once again prevented that from happening for Ohio State, I think that would probably feel pretty good if you were able to do that. Uh, as far as some of the Ohio State players, though, they seem to be a little bit more motivated by this as an idea. For the most part, Kevin Wilson sort of sidestepped the notion of being an underdog here. But C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, kind of took it a little more head on. This is what he said yesterday about the notion that the Buckeyes are not expected to win this game against Georgia. Here's Stroud, the Heisman finalist. Well, it's football, uh, so you got to go play football. I don't really think uh, I've really put no thought to it, like, at the, end, at the end of the day, I feel like we still Ohio State. We still the Buckeyes. So, um, Georgia's Georgia for a reason. So, I mean, um, I definitely think that. Uh, I mean, even seeing, I mean, even talking to some of those dudes that I know on their team, it's been respect. I don't think that. Uh, I wouldn't say that I feel like an underdog. I don't feel like. Um, I do feel like people are counting us out, but that, that's fine. I mean, we've been counting out plenty of times. I'm pretty sure. People have counted the Mecca out in his life, and people have counted Coach Wilson out in his life, and people have counted me out. Uh, so, I mean, this isn't nothing new. Um, I definitely think this is the path that God wanted us on, and I'm just rocking with that. So, if that means that we're the underdog, I'm cool with it. Um, so, I mean, it's time to just mask up and, and go play football. It's the oldest storyline in the book. Last year, George used it very effectively, the notion of we are being counted out because we lost our most recent game. And I've told you that I do think it's dangerous the way in which there's been so much of a public about face on Ohio State. To begin the season, they were preseason ranked ahead of UGA. And now many of the people that had that opinion before the season began have completely changed their mind, not even on the basis of one full game, but really it's second half of action against Michigan. For the most part, Ohio State played fine in the first half. They just fell apart in the second half. And because of that, all of a sudden, the the degree to which odds makers or media types or fans have just run away from Ohio State, anytime you have that much of a public agreement on any type of subject, I'm always a little bit nervous about that. Uh, but pretty clearly, Georgia used that as motivation last year and won the national championship. And now Ohio State's trying to do the same kind of thing. But once again, even if you kind of understand analytically where Stroud's coming from, boy, that emotion kind of creeps back into this again. He's like, hey, we're Ohio State. Hey, we're the Buckeyes. Who are we to be an underdog against anybody? And the one thing that a lot of us would say down here in the south part of the country is, listen, the notion of being Ohio State means something a lot different down here than it does up there. Because what we've seen more often than not, those of us who kind of view Ohio State with some skepticism, those of us who kind of view the Big Ten with some skepticism, especially compared to the SEC's best. After all, we saw Georgia play Michigan a year ago, after all. But those of us who look at Ohio State, to be frank, we see something a little bit different in the Buckeyes and the Buckeyes going to see in themselves. We see a team that's had a hard time, you know, oftentimes living up to whatever Ohio State fans think they are supposed to be. And that's one of the things that kind of brings the emotion about in a game like this. But if Stroud was kind of embracing this as a storyline, a, a terrific wide receiver named Mecca Buka is embracing it even more. You can kind of tell that he sort of feels 
a little more energy about this than maybe you know the typical Buckeye player might, including Stroud, who we just heard from. Here is a receiver that could factor mightily in the outcome of the game on Saturday, and he is pretty clearly energized by the notion that no one seems to think Ohio State's going to win this game right now. Here he is a Mecca Buka. This is yesterday. All right, I'm gonna close out with a Mecca. Um, you can look at the rankings and see that we're number four. And, you know, look in the past and see what the past, you know, number four Ohio State team did. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, Georgia's a, a phenomenal team. They're 12-0. It's hard to go undefeated um, on a season. And, you know, they're, no, they're the number one ranked team right now. But uh, I can't speak for everyone. But for me personally, I don't feel like underdogs. Um, there's, no, there's never been a time where I stepped on the field um, and I felt a severe disadvantage to the, the player across from me. Um, so, uh, you know, I haven't played Georgia yet, but I feel like with the confidence that we have as a team um, and our ability, um, like CJ said, we've been counted out before, so there's not nothing new to us. So we're just going to go out there on Saturday and play football like how we know how to play football. So clearly one of the things that he's leaning into there is what happened to this team back in 2014 when they were kind of also – counted out against uh, Alabama they ended up winning the national championship in fact there's a guy named Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated he wrote a really interesting column and while Forty writes for a different outlet this to me almost kind of works as a great companion piece to the uh, Mark Schleyball Alex Scarborough thing we read yesterday from ESPN.com where it talked about Georgia trying to pursue the opportunity to become as they said the next Alabama the new Alabama well the companion piece to that although it's much shorter <laughs> is the Pat Forty thing at Sports Illustrated where he talks about the pressure that Ohio State faces going into a game like this. You know, the notion that, to go back to what we said a moment ago, C.J. Stroud says, hey, you know, we're Ohio State. And Mecca Buka says, I've never felt like an underdog in any game I've ever been in. But if you're Ohio State and you face another big opponent, the likes of Georgia, after losing your last two to Michigan, and if you don't show up in a big way in this game, then the notion of what it means to be Ohio State, it has to have changed. For anybody who's paying attention, it has to have changed. Ohio State would have obviously been diminished as a program if they are pushed around by Georgia the way in which they've been pushed around by Michigan, or given the fact that Georgia pushed around Michigan last year, if they push around Ohio State even more than Michigan has pushed them around, then what it means to be Ohio State is something completely different. And the notion of Ryan Day, who's kind of always been the coach that's been lauded without much of a resume to back that up, it's the reason why Jim Harbaugh said, you know, he's born on third base and thinks he hits that he's hit a triple. You know, the idea of that echoing and resonating even more would even be more so true coming after uh, a game like that if it indeed plays out that way. But obviously, Ohio State hoped that it doesn't. And with that in mind, Pat Forty in the piece at Sports Illustrated had a very interesting stat that kind of gives you an idea of just how weird it is for these Buckeyes players to be actually be an underdog. It's a role they just have not found themselves in, or the players that have worn that same uniform prior to them coming to Columbus, they just haven't found themselves in that uh, very much i want to read here from pat 40 from sports illustrated who says that ohio state's been favored in 98 of its last 104 games the only exceptions have been playoff games alabama and oregon in 2014 clemson in 2019 clemson and bama in 2020 and now against georgia in the peach bowl semifinal now he says this is pat 40 ohio state's been pretty good in that rare role winning three times losing twice with a 2014 national championship as a part of its underdog body of work and if there is any scenario from that playoff past that it would love to replicate in atlanta's mercedes-benz stadium saturday night it's the 2014 upset of alabama because of the fact that that game took place in new orleans was kind of the heart of the sec country and this to a lot of buckeyes fans sort of feels like the same thing but let me tell you something you already know 
my daughter is almost now so big I can't carry her. And she wasn't born when Alabama lost to Ohio State in 2014. The idea that that is somehow some sort of harbinger of what's going to happen here in 2022, folks, that's a long time ago now. And it, it just is. So whatever you're going to conjure back and sort of dream about Ezekiel Elliott and Urban Meyer and, you know, uh, whatever else was kind of going on with the Buckeyes there at that time. That is essentially the distant past when it comes to college football here right now. So, you know, do with that part what you will. But the bottom line for me on this is, is that I think when you hear Ohio State talk or when you hear people talk about Ohio State, I do think if you're a Georgia fan, you have another, I guess, reason to want to win this game if you didn't already have enough. It's not just about Georgia and what it can achieve, becoming kind of the new empire in college football. It's not just about what Georgia has a, has a chance to gain. It's also about what Georgia has a chance to take from Ohio State to prevent from happening for them. You do not want this program to have bragging rights over you. You just don't. You do because it's been since 1992 since these two teams have played before at least the end of the 1992 season. Who knows when you get a chance to play them again? The idea that for years they might be able to say, oh, you may be the best in the SEC, but you're not better than us. Man, oh man, you don't want that to be true. I mean, this is not just about what Georgia has a gain has to gain. This is also about what it has a chance to either take from Ohio State or prevent happening for these Buckeyes. They really believe that they're the best program in college football. They really believe that no one plays at their level, that it's somehow some sort of unpardonable sin that they've been uh, ranked as an underdog here in this spot. As one of their players said, and played Georgia yet. No, you're about to find out what it's all about against these dogs. And a lot of UGA fans certainly hope that Georgia delivers a very, very strong message. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pass Management. Happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms to hear our program. Radio at noon, of course, on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. We're just really, really happy to have you as a part of our program here today. And boy, we appreciate our friends at Breda Pest Management for making it all possible. You know, I know how much Matt Brady and the entire team over there is excited about the upcoming college football playoff. If I had to guess, Matt and his family are probably going to be at the game. We typically kind of run into him at some of these big sporting events, and I'm sure he's looking forward to that. But while it's fun on the weekends to take care of college football business, enjoy all that, during the week it's the business of your pest control that they're worried about. You know, critters sneaking into your house, by the way, when it's really cold out there like that. Uh, more opportunity for some of these squirrels and things like that to want to get in your attic. Well, Brady Pass Management can handle all that for you. Or, you know, throughout the year, obviously if you live in Georgia, you know termites are just a kind of a fact of life. In our state, it's just a thing that every homeowner has to deal with. It's why you've already got a pest control provider, already got a termite contract. And yet you may also be working with one of these fly-by-night companies that's raising your rate every year. It's just getting more expensive, like everything seems to be. But when you make the switch over to our friends at Breda Pass Manager, that goes away. That stops. They're actually going to save you money instantly just for making the switch. How do they do that? They've got unparalleled resources. They're the official pest control provider of UG Athletics. That's kind of a cool thing. But it's that strength as an organization. The fact they've been in business since like the 1970s, the fact they've got more than 100 employees, that strength as an organization can be leveraged for your benefit by saving you money just for making the switch. So find out more. Go to BredaPass.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPass.com. And you can find out a whole lot more about what our friends at BredaPass Manager are going to be able to do for you. All right. So here on our program today, 
Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. We're going to hear from Mike Griffith coming up in a little bit, obviously on what's happening today as Georgia offensive uh, players and coordinator Todd Munkin speak to the media, some of the Ohio State folks on the defensive side speak to the media. Uh, we'll kind of hear, and that, by the way, the Ohio State stuff is going to be interesting because, you know, Jim Knowles, first-year coordinator, uh, obviously was brought here to make this Buckeyes team better tougher for 11 games this season it seemed like that's what he had done huge breakdowns against michigan though calls all that into question how many tough questions did he face and his uh players face in front of the reporters here today mike griffith will give us a little bit of insight on some of that here coming up in just a little bit before that though i want to go around the doghouse and there was kind of a funny moment and there's not very many press conference moments involving georgia that are funny uh but there was a genuine one of those yesterday so at the end of the press conference so yesterday you had uh glenn schumann and will muschamp two uh co-defense coordinators for georgia and a handful of georgia players with that met with the reporters and at the end of the muschamp session with the media he was asked a question about that 1990 uh, you call it the 93 citrus bowl as the end of the 1992 season he was asked about facing ohio state he actually played in that game it gives you an idea of how long it's been since georgia's played ohio state the last time it happened the only previous time that's happened in the two programs history will muschamp was playing in the game so you get an idea of how just long range the storyline has been since these two teams have been on the same field with each other the quarterback for ohio state that day was kirk curb street and muschamp had a very funny line very relaxed very comfortable really humorous about uh, kirk curb street many of you've heard this by now but to sort of set the stage for this this is will muschamp from yesterday coach muschamp can you take us back to this, uh, january 1st 93 in the citrus bowl the only time georgia's played ohio state what do you remember from that game <laughs> it was a good win for the dogs uh you know so we had a pre uh not game but uh, i guess a luncheon and the herb street got up and threw a pass across the room i knew we had a shot to win uh, so make sure he knows i said that so the description here is the fact that you have one of those luncheons you have a lot of that stuff around bowl time and I guess there was a moment which Herbster was supposed to throw a football in kind of a ceremonial fashion and apparently didn't throw it very well. And so that's what led uh, Muschamp to, to joke about that, saying, uh, knew I had a chance once we saw Herbstreet throw the ball. And then at the end, he says, you make sure I tell you, you, you tell Herbstreet I said that, which is obviously his way of indicating this is just a joke, whatever else. And so yesterday, I guess there was some sort of conference call type thing that Herbstreet was on. And lo and behold, he was asked about uh, the, uh, the Muschamp comment and you know, I think a lot of people were sort of led to a little bit surprised by the fact that that Herb Street didn't kind of return the favor and joke back in Muschamp's direction. Frankly, it's a little bit awkward. Uh, this is the example of this uh, Herb Street being asked about the Muschamp joke we just heard. This is Herb Street from yesterday. You sure you don't have a, a little comebacker against uh, yeah. the boy Muschamp? Did he make any plays that day? I don't even remember, man. That was was that a hundred years ago? I, I I just remember Georgia being really good, and very athletic, and um, I don't remember much about Will at all. <laughs> I don't know if that's meant to be a dig or if that's just kind of the awkward exchange that Herb Street had there. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think that Herb Street's a very sometimes difficult person to figure out because on the one hand. When he's like relaxed and comfortable in his own skin, just talking college football, you can very easily understand why this is the number one analyst in the sport. He's just really good at it. And he kind of draws you in and you I think you'd be willing to listen to him forever. I mean, he's just really good about talking about college football. There's a natural way in which he converses about this subject that's really pretty engaging. 
And then you see other times, and a lot of this for him is on social media. I can't stand Herb Street's social media personality. A, a lot of times on social media, he comes across as just so super serious and heavy-handed. That you're like, Kirk, you get the greatest job in the world. You know, act like you enjoy it. And it's weird. I, I would count myself as a big fan of Kirk Herbstreit. But there's some certain times kind of like this where you're like, you know, Kirk, you know, be a dude here. You know, enjoy yourself here. Have, have, have a good time. Go back and forth on all of this. But to say all of that, my defense of Kirk Herbstreit is, and I do believe this is true. I think that Herbstreit is in such a tough spot because as the number one analyst, especially a guy that calls games now, as the number one analyst, I just think all of his words are just so, so scrutinized. And, and he's going into a game on Saturday night where he's an Ohio State graduate uh, calling a game involving the Buckeyes against Georgia. And you might, as a Georgia fan, be on guard for this sort of pro-Ohio State bias. But a lot of you are aware, you know, Herb Street for a long time has taken some, you know, some some jabs from Ohio State fans because they don't think he's pro-Ohio State enough. In fact, I guess at one point in time he even moved away from Columbus and there was some thought that maybe that might have something to do with it. Or I don't even know what the true story is. But, you know, when you're Herb Street, I think part of the thing that maybe makes your job less fun than otherwise could be is the fact that everybody is just sort of hanging on your every word and they're looking for every kind of potential misstep as a way of i don't know uh you know criticizing or whatever else that that it just sort of ends up being one of those things that maybe makes you a little more serious than you possibly should be so i'm not really quite so sure what to make of that other than to say a lot of you know this you know you're not maybe a media person but you're kind of aware is that george is very guarded around the media you know i don't think kirby smart loves his media sessions as uh, you know coach might not obviously it seems like the players are pretty well trained not to say too much and so now you have the one moment in which a Georgia coach actually kind of lets his hair down a little bit and kind of has some fun. And it sort of turns into it's not really a controversy because I don't think this is controversial, but it sort of turns into a little bit of a thing. You're going kind of to be like, can we not do stuff to disincentivize uh, uh, Georgia coaches and players from actually kind of showing a little bit of personality with the uh, media? But beyond all that, here is my final take on this. and I do think this is real. Ask yourself this question. Would Georgia, a player or a coach, have been able to joke like this in the 2017 college football playoff? When Georgia made the playoff for the first time in 2017 and Kirby Smart's second year as head coach, would Georgia have been able to joke like this? Would a Georgia assistant coach felt comfortable telling a joke like this in front of a crowd of reporters? I would suggest probably not. This was a program that was still trying to figure itself out. This is a program still trying to build itself up. Being in the playoffs so soon after Kirby Smart first got hired, that was probably a little bit of a shocking thing. I'm not really quite so sure how many people expected Georgia to be in that spot. I'm not sure that Georgia expected to be in that spot. They were still trying to feel their way around here in the playoff for the first time. How about last year, second appearance for Georgia in the college football playoff? Could a Georgia coach have told a joke like this at last year's college football playoff? I would suggest maybe not. Uh, this was a team coming off a loss. This was a team knowing that even if it beat Michigan and had Alabama looming, and who knows how how that's going to go after having just lost in the SEC championship. There was a little bit of uh, anxiety maybe in the program's DNA that would have prevented something like this from happening. Well, guess what? Now Georgia's the reigning national champion, and now they're 13-0. And now they're looking at an Ohio State team on Saturday. That's obviously a threat. They wouldn't be in the playoff if they weren't. But you don't see that same anxiety. You don't see that same nervousness. You see a Georgia team that's relaxed enough that a defensive coordinator like Will Muschamp, who is, I think, genuinely a pretty funny guy, but you uh, at least he comes across that way. You see a team right now that's relaxed enough that they can go out there and show a little personality during uh, press conferences. I would suggest that may not be a good thing for Ohio State, for the rest of college football, that a Georgia team now in the playoff for a third time is comfortable. 
It's relaxed. It's having a little bit of fun here. And uh, that may mean this team's uh, ready to play pretty well coming up on Saturday night. We'll make that around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Manager. And a lot of the audio you've heard here over the course of our show has been stuff that took place in Atlanta on Tuesday, yesterday. But as I've been speaking, the Georgia coaches, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, Georgia players, they've been speaking here too. So let's get more of what's actually been happening in real time in the moment from downtown. Great got to do that with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. It is a busy time for Mike Griffith. He's good enough to share some of his time with us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management here today. Mike, as we have been talking uh as i said before todd monk and some of the georgia players have been talking as well and at least i am not aware of any of this so give me an idea how it's played out here over the course of the last few minutes with the uh, georgia offensive press conference that took place a moment ago yeah well i mean i I go to the breakout room you know where you get these guys well not one-on-one but you know you get them in a little round table with six or seven people and, and i just spent 20 minutes with todd munkin and um you know he was you see fascinating right i mean you think about what he's done for the Georgia offense. Uh, you think about that competitive edge that he gives the Bulldogs with his ability to mold these offenses around his personnel, adjust to the different defenses. Uh, you know, everything's on the table with this guy, and, and I'm really looking forward to transcribing all that and doing some stories. I just I just spoke with, uh, right when the phone was ringing, I had to break from a, a little conversation I was having with Gary Stokin, um, you know, a guy that I've just got a ton of admiration for when I think about how the Peach Bowl has grown and become this marquee event from where it was 20 years ago when it was a bowl game nobody wanted to come to. You know, and now, uh, you know, Atlanta is an elite bowl destination city with the facilities, the downtown, the accessibility, and, you know, just the way the area has grown. I think that should be a real source of pride. You know, and Gary's been at the heart of that. Uh, talking with Kenny McIntosh this morning and, you know, he, he draws a crowd. You know, he was talking about, you know, he, you've seen how he likes to commandeer these television cameras and, you know, film teammates. He says, really, it's really all about how much he enjoys seeing how his teammates react to that and respond to that. And you just start to think about a lot of the nuances and the personalities of, of what makes Georgia football Georgia football and what makes this event, uh, you know, what it's become. You know, I, I, the, probably the most salient point I, I took away from today that Munkin said was a good football team is going to lose. Saturday, and and he's right. You know, we always you know look at oh well the better you know both these teams are good, and and it, that's that's the tough part about what's about to happen this weekend. I think that's exactly right. And, and Mike, from that standpoint, when you do have and Georgia doesn't experience this very much, and frankly Ohio State probably doesn't experience this at all. When you look across the field and you do see by appearances what's a fair fight, you know, Ohio State next to Georgia in the recruiting rankings all the time. You know, Georgia obviously, you know, has plenty of players that Ohio State would like to have had. And frankly, Ohio State's got players that Georgia would like to have had. This is a fair fight. There aren't lots of fair fights in college football. Typically speaking, we see one team with a huge talent edge over the other. In the case of Georgia and Ohio State, at least on the basis of recruiting rankings, that isn't necessarily true. So what I'm going to to say on this mike is is to me that makes coaching decisions magnified how munkin chooses to use the players that he has how you know schumann uh and uh Muschamp on the other side you know much the same way but in a game like this where the talent is a little bit more evenly matched than we're used to seeing georgia uh kind of have to deal with i do believe all the coaches decisions in a game like this are going to be more magnified well, there's no doubt. And, you know, when I mentioned, you know, that Coach Munkin, you know, that he's considered somewhat of a guru, he says, you know, yeah, you know, that's not going to mean anything Saturday night if we lose. 
You know, the, the guru tag drops pretty fast. I mean, he's, you know, this is a, a, a game-to-game basis. And, you know, he said, you know, yeah, all these programs say you're a family. You're not a family. If you suck, you're going to get fired. Like, I mean, he just puts it out there. And Brandon, we know it, right? Look, there's no illusions of what Georgia football is all about, at least not for those close to the program. It's not some warm, cuddly, kumbaya. It is we are going to get the best players. We're going to play the best players. We're going to make some cutthroat decisions. going to let some guys go going to invite some players to leave, going to grab other players out of the portal and play them over guys that have been in the program for two, three years. And this is what it takes. It, you know, that that's the whole thing. It takes what it takes, right? But, you know, you go back to Kirby Smart's illusion of choice. And, you know, one of my very favorite presentations was Kirby talking about the illusion of choice. You know, and, and for those that don't know, I mean, you know, if you're going to be great, you really don't have a choice in some of the decisions you make, you know. It, like, you know, the, the player's laying in bed, and, you know, it's, it's hard to get up. The class is in 20 minutes. He's trying to decide, well, you really don't have a choice. You're getting up, and you're going, and you're going to be there. You know, you think about what sort of effort, you know, having a bet. No, there is no choice. You're, you're going to play your best, or you're, you're not going to you're not going to measure up. And, and Georgia actually lives like this. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, what was uh, what were they saying yesterday? I guess uh, Schumann was saying, you know, Georgia is physical on a day-to-day basis, not on a week-to-week basis. And Kirby's not going to let that slide. So, you know, a lot of times I'll write a story, a critical analysis, great example. Yesterday, Jamon Dumas-Johnson calls the LSU game embarrassing. You know, the headline says that. Some fan comes back, what do you mean that's embarrassing? They won by 20 points. Hey, bro, not my words. This is the Georgia standard we're talking about. This is how Jamon Dumas-Johnson and the players look at it. Fans want to be soft and cuddly and, oh, why are you so hard on them? Because they're hard on themselves. This is what's going on over there. This is what's made Georgia number one, Brandon. Um, did Todd Munkin say much about you know the, the idea of leaving to become a head coach? There would obviously been some rumors. I don't really know that many of those rumors have actually materialized in anything too tangible, but the notion of what he would be looking for from the next opportunity, did that come up with Munkin today at all? Yeah, it came up, and you know he's he's like every other coach. He's a never say never guy. He says, "Look, I you know I get paid really well here. You know, it's not all about that, but you know he values his paycheck. He values working for Kirby Smart. He likes Kirby. Kirby's direct. Kirby's delivered everything he's promised he would deliver. You know, he joked around about Kirby coming to him and asking about hiring Mike Bobo. Like this is what my decision. I'm going to hire him anyway. He said, but it's worked out great, and he really respects Mike Bobo. And and he talked about how for Kirby and, and Muschamp and Bobo, how their heart is in Georgia. And um, and there's an attraction to that. Part of the reason he took the job is because he knew Kirby was all in on Georgia. He's not going to be one of these guys who's going to take a job and when the grass is green, he's going to leave. He, he entered into a very secure situation with a coach with great resources that was going to put everything into it. And that made the job attractive to him. And it's still attractive to him. You know, even though... You know, it's it's pretty clear that, that him and Stetson, you know, aren't exactly always on the same wavelength. They both joke about that. They both talk about that. It's apparent when they talk that, you know, it, they're not going to be going out for coffee much, you know. But, but you know what? They've got a tremendous professional working relationship, and it works. And there's an admiration, a professional admiration. You know, Munkin is all business, Brandon. It's, you, you've seen it. You've heard it when he talks. He doesn't have much of a filter. Uh, different words come out, and he's pretty direct in what he says, and it's humorous because we all kind of know that that's how coaches really think, but rarely do you get a guy that's just going to put it out there like Munkin, right? Like somebody said, when did you know Stetson be the guy? He said, well, there's some plays I still wonder. <laughs> he, said, but, he said, but then again, I call some plays, and I wonder if I should be the guy. But, you know, there's just that 
that moment of truth where you're like, yeah, we, we can kind of see that. There's times we kind of go, what the heck with that? But he's, uh, he's a direct guy. And um, in terms of your question, uh, it, it's a never-say-never never thing. Munkin is very aware that this comes down to him doing his job. And as long as he's doing his job and he's getting paid well, George is great. He knows the minute that the performance drops off, his job's in jeopardy. And, um, and there wouldn't be very many more attractive places like Georgia. He went through a laundry list of, of things and advantages he has, one of them being Delta Airlines, Atlanta, people coming to see the campus, access to great players, obviously facilities, uh, the staff that he has around him, the talented players that he has. You know, he said one of the sayings today was, you know, cookies taste better with sugar than vinegar. you got to have players. So it sounds like it would take a pretty good job to get him out of here, but but Munkin's also not so naive as to think he, you know, he's going to get all cozy and comfortable and be able to sustain uh, job security if he doesn't have success. How about the other side of this? I think one of the things that the average Georgia fan may just not be all that aware of, unless you're really paying close attention to college football, is how much criticism the Ohio State defense has taken. Going back to last year when they got embarrassed against Michigan, and this year Jim Knowles being brought in, you spend big bucks to bring him in from Oklahoma State, and for most of the season that looked like a pretty good decision. Buckeyes obviously played better defensively on the on the total than they did a year ago and yet fell apart in the second half against Michigan. How pointed were the questions that the uh, Buckeyes defense was getting today? Yeah, and, and I listened to Coach Knowles today. I, I sat with him for a long time, too, and it, it's an overreaction. Um, it, it's kind of like what happened with Georgia last year when that defense gave up 41 points and 500 yards. And, you know, Bryce Young made the Georgia defense look like garbage last year in the SEC title game. And, you know, did, did that, you know, it, but then again, we saw the Georgia defense redeem themselves, and now we kind of just look at that game as an outlier. Like, oh, yeah, Alabama really did kill them last year and put 41 on a, on a historically good. And I think that's how Ohio State looks at this, and that's how Munkin broke it down. He said, look, this is ridiculous. He said he's got a cornerback that misses a tackle on a 78-yard play uh, when they call zero blitz. So you got a player that blew an execution. He goes, then laid the two late touchdowns. They're just trying to get the ball back. They're not playing their real defense, and that, that leads to these long runs. He said, you know, that, that's happened where Georgia scored late touchdowns like that, where, you know, the defense is playing a little out of character because they're having to get desperate. And try. So that, the way too much is being read into that. You know, and if you look a little deeper – when you play the what-if game, and I know you really can't, but from what Munkin said you do, you take away those two long runs, and, and they're, you know, Michigan's averaging less than three yards per carry on Ohio State. But, the, but that's not what the final numbers say, right? So there's a lot of situationalness to that. Um, I, I think it's probably overblown. I think the Ohio State defense is going to be better than people think. Uh, they, they played 12 games this year. They won 11 of them. And to your point, you know, they didn't play well, you know, late in the third quarter and on a couple of late plays, but th- that's a game they were winning at halftime. Everybody gets amnesia, right? Just like everybody forgets how Georgia was controlling the first quarter against Alabama in the SEC title game before things went dreadfully wrong, right? It's not like Alabama just came in there and and walked all over Georgia. Things went wrong in the second quarter. The offense went three and out three times in a row. Bryce Young got hot, and that was that. And, you know, that Ohio State-Michigan game, you play it ten times, who's to say Ohio State doesn't win seven of them, right? So uh, Munkin kind of was dismissive of it. You know, Knowles just kind of, you know, a lot of the Ohio State reporters were asking him a lot of pointed questions. And, look, this guy's been doing it a long time. There's nothing he can do that's going to, you know, change their perception of Ohio State losing to Michigan. It's not going to sit well with their fans. It's not going to sit any better with their fans than it did with Georgia fans when Alabama beat Kirby, twenty, you know, 2017 and 2018, when they burned his safety on 26-23 and when they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter in 2018 and beat him in an SEC championship game that I thought Georgia was going to win. So 
Georgia fans have been there before, and they know what Ohio State's feeling losing Alabama back-to-back years because they lost to Alabama in back-to-back years in 2017-2018. It's very similar to that. Mike, uh, good stuff. I, I appreciate you being here. And oh, I, I, I still do do this. Um, anything else from anything from today that I wouldn't be aware of that you want to make sure our audience knows that was said from either team in the media sessions that have been ongoing as our show's been taking place? Yeah, I just, you know, really yesterday, Jamon Dumas Johnson was just he's fantastic. You know, when, when people look at this as Georgia winning back-to-back titles, that's not the mentality. That's not how the team thinks. What Jamon Dumas Johnson said was, if you ask me, this is my first year here. And that's kind of the mentality when you think about losing 15 guys to the league and 13 transfers, four of them starters. And I know fans get sick of hearing it, but Brandon, what we're seeing is historical. I just don't think you're going to see this happen again. I think what Kirby is doing right now has never been done. There's never been a team that's lost this much talent. And I just don't think we can underscore or understate that enough. And to create the mentality, not just to have the talent to reload, but to create this mentality where I'm sitting across from Jamon Dumas Johnson, and he's telling me it's like this is his first year. That, that is the mentality of this team. They truly have detached from 2021. They, they really are on their, on their own spaceship, on their own mission. Even though it's the same uniform and we can associate some of the guys from last year, that's really not the mentality, and I think that's really what's been at the heart and the key to this incredible, historical 13-0 run. All right, Mike, good stuff. We'll look forward to catching up with you later on today. I know we're going to get together and hopefully uh, react to some of this Georgia practice stuff that takes place this afternoon, so I'm looking forward to that here on the Dog Nation video channel. There's a lot of coverage for a big game coming up on Saturday. Mike, thanks for being a part of it with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. Great stuff, B.A., thanks. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, it's an interesting point there as far as what happened to Georgia in the SEC Championship last year, what happened to Ohio State uh, against Michigan here this year. Let me tell you what I think one difference is. I mean, Georgia clearly had some big-time defensive breakdowns against Alabama last year in the SEC Championship. You know, that, there's no doubt that's true. But the one thing that you could fall back on was is that Georgia had been very good defensively for years. Not only have they been excellent all year long, They'd been very good for years. There was a track record. So when you looked at that game against Alabama, and it was disastrous, terrible, it was easier to imagine, well, Georgia could shake this off and move off of it because you had a track record of years that you could lean on. Success leaves clues. There were plenty of clues about Georgia's chances for success prior to that SEC championship. I think the problem that some of us have had with Ohio State is at the beginning of the year, it was sort of treated as an obvious conclusion that Jim Knowles, by being hired, would transform the Buckeyes' defense just like that. And you heard us say this on the show at the time, that, that if you wanted to really spot a kind of a pro-Ohio State bias that was in the media, that was it. This notion that just by making the hire, immediately Ohio State had fixed everything that was wrong with it. Well, for most of the regular season, it seemed like that might be true. But y'all, look who Ohio State Ohio State has been playing for most of the regular season. These are not high-powered explosive offenses necessarily. That's just not really been what they're doing. So while the overall numbers defensively looked okay, they're pretty good. It's not like the best team, you know, best defense in the country or anything like that. They're just improved. But when you run up against a Michigan team, the the team that motivated you to make all those changes a year ago and it ultimately doesn't go at least from the final result standpoint all that much better 
different from Georgia last year, Ohio State does not have a huge track record to lean on. See, that's one of the things I think that makes Georgia's mindset going to last year's playoff different than Ohio State's is that Georgia had fallen apart defensively, but for years had been very good defensively. So while you had the motivation to prove that you're better than your last outing, you also had the confidence to deep down know that you really were better than your last outing because you'd played so much better than that so much. I don't think there's any doubt that Ohio State is motivated to be better than it was against Michigan when it plays Georgia. I don't think there's any doubt there's a, there's a hunger to do that. But deep down, is there really the confidence that believes they can? I, I would be very, very... I think the Ohio State mindset in a game like this is fascinating. I really do. Are they confident because they're Ohio State? Do they believe they're great simply because of the uniform that they're wearing? Or do they have some sort of thing they can point to and say, this is why we are great? This is the thing that we know we have that makes us great. I think that's kind of interesting. I really do. And listen, I can say all this on the one hand, and on the other hand, I do think that Ohio State's probably a little undervalued coming into a game like this. I'm hearing far more Georgia fans sort of say, oh, Georgia's going to win by 14 or 17 or 21 or whatever it is. I can't join that level of confidence in UGA, even though I believe that Georgia will win the game. Uh, I think it's going to be a close, hard-fought game. I believe it's a game that Georgia pulls out and wins by about a touchdown or so. I really do. Uh, but if I'm wrong about that, and if Georgia does win more easily than I assume, then then maybe we'll kind of recast the way we think about Ohio State. It's kind of what I said off the top of the program, is that part of what this game is really about on Saturday is a way to determine exactly what Ohio State is, because this idea of, hey, we're Ohio State. Who are we to be an underdog against anybody? Hard to make that case if once again on a big stage like this you fall flat on your face. 2014 is a long time ago, and this is a Buckeye team that made the playoff in 2020, but that was also a pandemic year. A lot of weird stuff happened in a pandemic year. Uh, one of these days we'll go back through and catalog all the stuff that seemed true in 2020 that does not seem quite so true anymore now that we're playing in full stadiums again and kind of a normal uh, atmosphere again. So a lot of stakes, a lot of stakes between Georgia and Ohio State should be interesting to see. For now, though, let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And listen, I'm excited about what's going to happen on December 31st here in Atlanta. I'm excited about hopefully going to L.A. after that. And then once that is over, hopefully we're celebrating having gone for two and 22, go for two and 22 and won that national championship. Once that's all said and done, it's time to celebrate in style on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. So I've got Wonder of the Seas coming up in February. Looking forward to being on board Independence of the Seas with all of you coming up in April. I'm also taking my family and my uh, mom on Independence of the Seas coming up in June. So we've got a great collection of cruises in store for us here in 2023. And I hope you have some of the same kind of stuff you can look forward to because the joy I got by giving that cruise to my mom on Christmas was amazing. And the joy we, my wife and I both got, we told our kids a few uh, weeks ago that we're going to take them on their, their first ever cruise coming up in February. Boy, that was a great experience too. And the feeling I also get when I'm on board independence of the seas with all of you in april and you get a chance to tell me ba this really is as much fun as you said it was going to be i'm excited about that there as well so bottom line is this a great travel agent her name is jessica slater has put a great website together it's royaldogs.com royaldogs.com you can find out all about the uh, wonderful cruise we're going to have in april on board independence of the seas going to port canaveral going to perfect day coco Cay. Uh, I should say leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau on the Bahamas and Perfect Day, Coke, okay, April 24th to 28th. You can find out about that. You can also call Jessica directly, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She'll tell you all you need to know about our Great Dog Nation cruise coming up. And you can also talk to her if you're watching on video. That's uh, images from Icon of the Seas, the brand new Royal Caribbean cruise ship debuting January of 2024. 
you, she'll tell you all about that there too. So really fun stuff. Talk to Jessica. She'll get you set up and ready to go when we'll see you on board. Uh, Independence of the Seas for the Dog Nation Cruise, second ever Dog Nation Cruise coming up this upcoming April. Can't wait for all of that. All right. Let me talk some bowl stuff here for a moment. So today we get SEC teams back in action. And actually, today's kind of a fun day because you got one, two, three, four bowl games. And they're all actually pretty decent games. For instance, I think UCF Duke could be a lot of fun. You know, this is a Duke team that's, uh, uh, you know, they had a really good first year under Mike Elko, brand new head coach. And I think that UCF kind of has a little bit of momentum going into next season. Uh, this is kind of a fun game. By the way, Duke's also a narrow favorite in this game, too. So if you're a point spread person, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, maybe a little bit of value on the uh, Golden Knights here. But one of the big stories for me, though, is for both Arkansas and Ole Miss, it's a chance to really correct what has been kind of an ugly slide for the SEC and bowl games as of late, especially when you see teams like Ole Miss and Arkansas. Those teams sort of outside the top 25, uh, you know, you know, teams like Georgia, for instance, are handling their bowl business pretty easily. The ranked SEC teams, for the most part, are kind of doing okay. But uh, it's some of these uh, teams kind of outside that, what we saw from Florida, what we saw from Missouri just a few days ago, where these SEC teams in kind of these early season bowl games, they've been kicked around a little bit, not just this year, but the last year as well. So uh, maybe Arkansas playing for a little bit of conference pride today against Kansas. Uh, I guess K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, is playing. I know they have a lot of opt-outs beyond that. But also – if you're Pittman right now, I think you're trying to hold all of this together. You know, new defensive coordinator coming in. Arkansas lost some games this year. They had a chance to win. And when some of that kind of stuff slips away, I mean, listen, I'm a huge fan of Sam Pittman's. Huge fan of Pittman's. But I do believe that some of the honeymoon there is starting to wear off a little bit. And I, I think that Pittman moving towards 2023 is going to have a little bit more pressure to turn some of these close losses into wins. You know, coughing up the football against Texas A&M. You know, that's not a good team to lose to in 2022. Uh, you know, there, there have been some moments this year for Arkansas where you sort of felt like, ooh, what this program seemed to be building sort of slowed down or outright stopped here this year. And listen, I openly root for the Hawks to win games. I love Pittman that much. I openly root for them to win. But I, I would say it would – Pittman would do well by himself to start actually turning some of these games, which they're covering the spread but losing, actually turning some of those into wins would probably be a good thing for him. And so getting that start against Kansas might make some sense. I'm guessing there'll be a good number of Arkansas fans in Memphis for the Liberty Bowl there. Uh, you're not all that close to Fayetteville, but there's a population center in Little Rock that actually is pretty close to Memphis, and that sort of southeast corner of the state of Arkansas is essentially in Memphis. So I'm guessing you'll have a lot of Hawks fans there and maybe they can root their team on to victory. And everything I just said about Sam Pittman is probably doubly true for Lane Kiffin. Uh, a lot of Ole Miss fans were not happy with Kiffin after the Egg Bowl. And, gosh, things have changed so much since then because, obviously, the tragic passing of Mike Leach. But still, the football storyline from that game there that day was is that Kiffin had been distracted, thinking about the Auburn job, thinking about whatever else, toying with the media about that, essentially you know, having a sparring session with a reporter that reported he was taking the Auburn job. And ultimately, Kiffin stayed at Ole Miss, which is probably a good thing for the Rebels. But once again, there's some Ole Miss fans who are ready for Kiffin to stop goofing around and start actually winning games. I don't know that the, the Texas Bowl against Texas Tech is necessarily going to sway anybody's opinion on that much. But, you know, this is another one of those guys that he has some rebuilding work to do here with his fan base. And, you know, getting you know embarrassed in the bowl game after losing the rivalry game would probably be not a great way for Kiffin to conclude the season. So, I think to a degree, both Pittman and Kiffin probably have a little bit of pressure on them in their bowl game here right now. Uh, by the way, the other non-SEC game for today, I think North Carolina-Oregon's a really fun game. I think that's a really fun game. 
And then tomorrow you got Oklahoma, Florida State. You got Texas, Washington. So I'll tell you this about both the Cheez-It Bowl and the Alamo Bowl. That's uh, the ones I just mentioned. Every year we see this. Teams that win bowl game and like come back the following year with a bunch of momentum and not quite living up to that. So I would say that we're on guard for teams like Washington, who plays Texas tomorrow, Florida State, who plays Oklahoma tomorrow. These are the kinds of teams I could really see being the the overhyped teams this offseason going into next year. Now, listen, I think Florida State was actually pretty good this year. I'm not necessarily trashing the Seminoles by saying that. We just always see this. The teams that kind of bring back you know, quarterback in a lot of cases, and they bring back some hype for next year. If Washington beats Texas, I think they're one of those teams. If Florida State beats Oklahoma, I believe they'll also for next year be one of those teams. Then I'll finally mention this. We'll do some of the other bowl stuff later on. Uh, you start thinking about Friday, Gator Bowl, Notre Dame and South Carolina. That's a fun game. I really do think that's a really fun game. Uh, looking forward to share some thoughts with that with you as we head towards that. And I, by the way, we'll have go with flow coming up on friday night so we got a lot of time to talk about these bowl games here coming up but for now we'll make that cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean by the way don't forget this when it comes to bowl action your chance to kind of get your own opinions on the record about these games no better way to do that than by placing a bet with our friends at my bookie when you go to online just type my bookie in your browser uh, the internet will do the work for you it'll help you get to my bookie when, when you get there use the promo code dog nation for the big deposit bonus that means up to a thousand dollars whatever you put in your account my bookie is going to double that initial deposit so you put it in three hundred dollars they'll put in three hundred dollars you got like six hundred dollars in your account before you even place and win your first bet that's as easy as it gets with our friends at my bookie it's winning season right now that means you play you win you get paid but you got to get signed up for that account first you got to use the promo code dog nation and then get the big first deposit bonus then after that you're enjoying uh the the great ball season all the fun stuff that's happening there at my bookie but you got to find them online at my bookie use the promo code dog nation and then from that standpoint you are set up and ready to go with that big deposit bonus obviously we're also heading towards a fun weekend here too which means a lot of tailgate parties and things like that and of course nothing goes better with the game watching party, the tailgate party, or just ringing in the new year, whatever you have coming up, uh, nothing goes better with all of that than our friends at the Finish Long Drink. In fact, many of you share your uh, great photos of yourself and those that you love enjoying that Finish Long Drink. And we like to feature you as part of our big finish here on the show coming up on Friday. So uh, hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. Send me a photo of you with the finished long drink with whatever you're doing here this holiday season or the uh, conclusion of the football season and we'll showcase you as part of our big finish and if you're like some of our audience and says well b i've heard you talking about the finished long drink but i still haven't tried it yet this is the time to do just that go online thelongdrink.com and you can find out where you can pick some up uh, you just put in your zip code right there and you can find out whether it be a bar or a restaurant a beverage store uh, a lot of golf courses things like that a lot of folks uh, around you probably are you know, sharing this finished long drink, and you get a chance to be a part of that. So the cranberry, the long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar, or the long drink traditional in a blue can with a citrus flavor and the gin kick, whichever variety you think you would like. You can find out where you can pick some up by going to thelongdrink.com and doing that today. When you enjoy it, share that photo with us, and we'll feature you as a part of our big finish presented by the finished long drink coming up on Friday. Now, speaking of a big finish to our show here today, Golden Shoe, and we've been doing this weekend, we'll get back to traditional Golden Shoes before the weekends, 
as a way of kind of giving some good vibes going to the game against Ohio State. But we've been kind of sharing some of the sights and sounds of Georgia at the Peach Bowl. And obviously, one of the things that goes on is a visit to the to the some of the children's hospitals here in town. And for those of us who have kids, we know how valuable it is. Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Scottish Rights, these terrific, terrific medical institutions that provide really expert care to kids and it's one of those things where we're all thankful to have this in our community and we love it when programs like georgia step up to show support here including you see kirby smart getting off the bus there georgia made the visit to a scottish right here this week and it's just so heartwarming to see the georgia players and the coaches genuinely embracing all this i still think the peach bowl mascot's a little bit weird but nonetheless i guess i'm also glad to see it there on hand at scottish right this was clearly a great day a great job by georgia one of those things about bowl week that i just genuinely kind of enjoy so uh, nice to see all that so for all the georgia players and coaches who were there at scottish right here this week coloring the bulldog uh faces and making the uh the helmets and all that fun stuff we will give golden shoes all the way around on that that is just a great great thing to be able to see ohio state's done this too but uh, we'll showcase georgia here stopping by and visiting the folks there at scottish right such a beautiful thing to see and a great way to spend bowl week in the holiday season so thanks to georgia for doing that by the way lousy stinking gators georgia may be charitable here in our town but they have no charity to be given out when it comes to the gators 304 days from right now that is our gator hater countdown we can't wait for a gator beatdown then and we'll look forward to doing that then but for now business to take care of go for two in 22 we'll see you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by breda pest management